pray one more time. God, we give to you joyfully and cheerfully and gratefully, knowing that nothing that we have, we've created of our own. We're simply custodians of the things that you have given to us. We ask that you take whatever we give you, whether it is our time, whether it is our talents or our treasures, and you use it um, for the glory of your kingdom, for the glory of your name. We trust and we have confidence in you. In the name of your son, amen. Brothers and sisters, truly my honor and my privilege to invite to the stage Reverend Joseph Davis. I have walk-up music, that's awesome. I'm not gonna dance, so you can forget it. I'm not gonna dance, so you can forget it. That song's called Enter Sandman. Yes, I like that. If my wife wasn't here, I would dance, but she would kill me otherwise, so. <clears throat> Um, my name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here at the Garden. And uh, at the Garden, did I say the Garden just now? But you know what? It's okay to say that because that body of believers has a big part in what we're doing here today. And we love them. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Life. And I'm very excited about it. It's uh, pretty overwhelming, it's a little bit emotional. Uh, but it's also very exciting. So today, I'm just going to jump right into it. But before I do, let me just, you guys, I have a staff and a team of volunteers. If you're a Grace Life volunteer or staff, just stand up real quick so everybody that can give you a can. Just your Grace Life staff or volunteer. I've got an amazing team. We got a little feedback in the mic. I've got about 15 people upstairs doing stuff with the children, and so it's an amazing thing. So let's just go right into God's Word. That's where I'm most comfortable at today. Today we're going to be talking about Grace Life. That's the name of the sermon. And uh, what we like to do at Grace Life is whenever we take a passage of Scripture, we're going to break it down into three sections. That's the historical part of the Scripture. What about man? What did he do? Why and how did he do it? Once you understand the history, then you can ask about the theology. What about God? What did he do? And why and how did he do it? And then and only then, after you understand the history and the theology, can you answer the question that's devotional. What about me? What am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to do it? We'd like to skip right to the devotional without the work on the history and the theology, and that's where people get into mistakes. We're going to look at the history of this first. We're going to be talking about Philippians. Paul wrote the book of Philippians to non-Jewish Christians while he was in prison facing death. And it's mostly to a Gentile group of Christians, people who aren't Jewish or never grew up Jewish. And it's an amazing affection this Jewish man had for these non-Jewish Christians. It's passionate. It's deep. And the speculation is, not only was he in prison, the speculation is, is that it was his second time in prison, which historically would mean he was about to be killed. He's facing death, so his emotions are running high. It's a heightened sense of what's really important for him, if that makes sense. Like, there is no fluff. There is no concern for church politics. There is no concern about whether or not the lyrics will be right or the, or the bulletin will be put forth correctly or if we have enough donuts for everyone, which I'm sure we didn't today, by the way. None of that really mattered to him. There was no arrogance. It was just pure humility and vulnerability to these Christians that he loved. A sense of true mortality had overtaken him, and this love 
produce this surreal vulnerability, this, un, this unnatural, supernatural vulnerability. Now, let me tell you about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a man who had taken a gift from the Philippian church, probably some money to support Paul as he was going around planting churches. And Epaphroditus had brought this gift to Paul. And when he brought the gift, he got really sick and Paul thought he was going to die. He got better. And it's this guy, Epaphroditus, who takes the letter that Paul writes in prison back to the church at Philippi. It's pretty amazing, the emotions behind this. Epaphroditus, this guy who loves, almost dies, bringing him a gift. He's better now. He takes this love letter back to the church at Philippi, and he's about to face death himself. He's in prison. It's a very emotional situation. I'm trying to paint a picture for you here that it's the most intense emotional time in Paul's life, maybe other than the moment that God saved him. And so because of that, I want you to make sure that you understand, and we're going to be studying the book of Philippians over the next few weeks it's the greatest example, the greatest literary explanation about how to express real love for God's people. And I'm going to use the example of Paul's love for the Philippians, the one that was based upon grace. So I'm just going to read the verse to you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers, in other words, the pastors and the servers, the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he's in a dark dungeon with chains. Look what he says next. I thank God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God in all of my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy which is, by the way, the supernatural satisfaction with the presence of God in your life. That's what joy is. Because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. In other words, you guys have been with me from the very beginning. We've been partners, friends, teammates. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. And he's like... Listen, I mean what I say, and it's right for me to feel this affection, this love, because I hold you in my heart, for we are all partakers, and the actual word could also be used as drinkers. We are all drinkers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and also when I was in, out preaching in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and even more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. What a tremendous passage. Let's look at the theology of this. Grace transforms our relationship. Think about this. Think about what old Paul thought about the Philippians. Before Paul became a Christian, his job was to go and kill Christians. And here's this guy who at first was hired to go and kill people who were claiming the name of Jesus. God saves him. He's very Jewish. He loves his Jewish background and his Jewish heritage. And now he is in love with these Gentile people who don't know anything about the temple. He's in love with them. He's about to die, and he writes them this amazing letter. Can you think about what old Paul would have thought about what new Paul was doing? He would not have liked it. In fact, Paul did not only hate Christians, he hated Jewish people that were Christians. The Philippians are Gentile Christians. Can you imagine what he would have said? 
And Paul wrote about this theological concept in several places, about how old Paul knew, knew Paul. Matter of fact, in one of them is in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I want to make sure that you understand that's an important phrase right there, new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation brings us together with God and brings us together with each other. You know what reconciliation is? It's grace bringing transformed people together, creating vulnerability, intimacy, and sacrifice. I'm going to tell you that if you don't have those elements in your life when it relates to other Christians around you, you probably don't know Jesus. Because grace will bring transform people together, creating vulnerability, intimacy, and sacrifice. I love this uh, verse. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I'm just going to read to it. First uh, John chapter three, fourteen through seventeen. You know what John says? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers. Whoever does not abide in love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother, he's like a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know that we have love, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to be willing to lay down our lives for one another. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart to him, how does God's love abide in him? So the theology of it is this. When God applies his grace to your life, he transforms your relationships And he gives you this supernatural, uncanny ability to love people you don't even really know that well. So let's look at the devotional side of this. I believe Philippians 1 is a great description about how God's grace makes me feel about you. How awesome and powerful grace is. Just like Paul didn't like Gentiles before grace transformed him, without grace, I probably wouldn't like most of you. I mean, look at you. (laughs) For real. It's a miracle. (laughs) I'll tell you, at Grace Life, when when this body of believers began to come together, I started, and I was talking to Daryl, like we started meeting at Panera like about three months ago. We were just talking through this, and I started talking to Daryl. It started to really come together for me how Paul felt and the emotion and the depth and the connection he felt to this Philippian church. And we decided a long time ago we were going to teach on Philippians because of that. It's amazing what Paul feels, and so I realized that Philippians 1 describes what I as your pastor feel about you my new church family. So I'm going to use the text now to break down and express to you how I feel. And then I want to set the expectation. This is important. This is going to be important going forward. I want to set a culture of vulnerability. I want the culture at Grace Life. Matter of fact, I want you to be uncomfortable if you're not vulnerable with one another. You follow what I'm saying? Like, man, I better be more vulnerable. These people are really vulnerable. I got to get more vulnerable. You ever heard of that before? supernatural. All right, so the first thing I want to look at, I'm thankful to God for your part in our lives. 
He says in verse 3, I thank God upon every remembrance. Every time I think about you Philippians, I thank God. You know what it is? Paul has a recognition that God has given you to us and us to you. I got to tell you, nowhere else could we have gone through what we have as a family than with many of you by our side. And just like Paul remembered the Philippians, I remember you with fondness for your spiritual life. And I promise you, I have a short memory for your weaknesses. See, that's what vulnerability, vulnerability sets you free from the prison of remembering people's mistakes. Grace sets you free from taking score. Meg and I used to joke we should have an app on our phone to score people's mistakes in church. Some of you would be real big winners, I'm telling you right now. But you see, what grace does is it allows you to have a, a, a long memory for what the great things that God is doing and a short memory for our deficiencies. You know what else? I love to pray for you. Paul says, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for all of you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. There's a commitment he has, and I'm going to make it to you, to pray for you always in every prayer. And there's the joy of praying for you. He says, I pray for you, and I think about you, and I have such tremendous love and joy in my heart when I pray. And the nature of our prayers, I pray for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. <clears throat> So I'm thankful to God for your part in our lives. I'm thankful that I have a chance to pray for you. I'm going to tell you this too. I clearly see God working in your lives. Some of you I've known for a few years. I've seen God transform you amazingly. Some of you are sitting up here in the front. It's pretty awesome. Here's what he says. <clears throat> being confident, of, in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul's confidence is not in the Philippians' ability to continue to be good Christians. Matter of fact, that's not where his confidence, you know what his confidence is in? I am confident that God who saved you is going to keep saving you, and he's going to keep you saved, and he's going to deliver you perfect and blameless to heavenly dad on that day. And I have such confidence in that because I see so much evidence of God working in your lives. It really amazes me. I sit back and sometimes I think, how did that happen when I'm in the way? He says, I'm encouraged by how God is transforming your lives. I'm confident that it's God in it and it's not up to you. And I have great anticipation of our time together on the day of Jesus. Um, most of you, some of you know Sarah, but most of you don't know my daughter. But you know what? I cannot wait for her to meet you guys. I can't wait. I mean it. I mean, she's going to love you. This very thing, that he who has begun a good work, and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, vulnerability can be uncomfortable sometimes, right? But that's the culture. Here's the last one. I desire, this is a strong desire as your pastor, I desire to see you continue to grow in grace. Look what Paul says, and this I pray. This is how I'm praying for you. Every time when I think of my prayers and I think, pray for you with much joy, every time I pray, here's how I pray. And I pray that you will, your love 
may abound more. And just in case you didn't know he meant more, he says more and more in knowledge, in wisdom, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Clearly, this young Grace Life Church family does all of this for me. And there's something supernatural about our relationship that we have with one another because of grace. Because I'll tell you, other than family, and maybe sometimes even more than family, depending on how dysfunctional your family is, grace, (laughs) some of you are laughing, grace, other than family, is the strongest bond that people can have. I haven't known some of you for very long, but I have a strong bond with you. Because love based upon the common ground of the gospel and grace is supernatural. And as Paul says, he is justified in feeling this way about them. He says it in verse 7. This is my last slide. I'm going to have it up there so you make sure it's in your mind. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers, drinkers with me of grace. The picture of sitting around having a good time and just eating and drinking together. He says, you are all having dinner with me together, and we're eating grace. That's what's for dinner. That could be a commercial. (laughs) Grace, it's what's for dinner. So I am justified in the way I feel about you because we are drinking the cup of grace together. We're all going to be living the grace life together in a culture of intimacy and vulnerability and sacrifice. And there is nothing more powerful, more binding, more stirring than that. Grace gives us freedom to be vulnerable in supernatural ways that will surprise and inspire people looking in. And that's how we're going to grow. We're not going to grow by marketing. We're not going to grow by program. We're not going to grow because of how much money we throw into advertising. We're not going to grow because we have a great band, and by the way, we do. We're not going to grow because of those things. We're going to grow because we love each other, and we're vulnerable, and we sacrifice one another, and people outside are going to say, man, that grace seems like it tastes mighty good. Grace allows us to do something that would be way too risky and vulnerable outside of it. And we can hold each other in our hearts. We're all drinking that fountain of grace together. And I believe this vulnerable community, founded upon grace through the gospel, because of who you are, and I have great confidence in what God is doing in you, I believe we're going to have a huge impact on those around us. Amen? One of the things we do is we say we don't pray because we have to. We pray because we want to. Normally, I just get done preaching and Megan comes up. I feel like praying. Is that all right? All right, Dad, we're just, uh, we're amazed that grace can give us such love for one another. And I pray that our love will bound even more and even more. It would be intimate and vulnerable and sacrificial as we love one another. We pray, God, as we do that, that others would see it and want a piece of that action. Thank you for giving us the grace life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, we are going to sing one final song together. It was helpful to have a prayer because nobody knew we were walking up here and they just opened their eyes and poof, there's the band. It's like magic. We talk about that as church. Do you want to talk about magic? Bad. Brothers and sisters, we're going to stand, invite you to stand and sing one final song with us. Part of our model here at Grace Light.